small group of guys got together at Leisure's Lake House one evening just to hang out. That night, the pyromaniac of the group found leftover sparklers in the house. He decided it was a good idea to make a sparkler bomb. So he lit the sparklers in the yard and began to catch the yard on fire. So as the fire spread, uh, we found that there was a leftover bottle of lighter fluid that had been there from the day before. One guy noticed it and how the fire was quickly approaching it. He decided to kick it out of the way. Well, when he kicked the bottle, lighter fluid spewed all over his leg, thus catching his leg on fire. He tried to stop, drop, and roll, but it didn't work, so he got up and ran as quick as he could to the lake. Well, thankfully, when he got out, only his pants were burned and not his skin. However, due to the high heat, he suffered second-degree burns. Pretty much ended our fire time for that night and the nights to come. Damn, I'm glad I didn't peek in high, high school Cause my best days would be in the Hey everyone, welcome to Unlearning Youth Group, we're the podcast where we take a look at all the things we learn back in youth group. We find the good, unlearn the bad, and figure out where the heck we go from here. If we haven't met, my name is Jonathan Crone, and I'm joined as always by Eric Williams. Eric, can you go ahead and say hey to the people? Hey, what's up people? I know we start every single week off with uh, with a funny story like that, but Jonathan, I'm hearing that there's something interesting about this one uh, that we started with this week, and what is that? Yeah, so uh, that was a story from my friend Britton, and uh, Britton and the other two guys in that story were a part of the student ministry that I helped lead, and Britton and one of the guys in the story specifically uh, were in my small group. So I got to know these guys really well. The fact that uh, Britton told us that story makes me so incredibly happy, and the funniest part of it, in my mind at least, is (laughs) the pyrotechnic in that story, the guy who started the whole thing on fire, he's now a pilot in the United States Air Force, so... You can blow stuff up as a kid and grow up and do good things. It it must have been uh, your leadership. Were you leading that small group or you were just in that small group? I was, I became their leader not too long after that. So there's a story there for another day that involves drugs and uh, oh. a bunch of other stuff <laughs> that um, we won't get into today. But uh, I love those guys, Britt and Tyler, Austin, if you're listening, I uh, love you guys and hope you're doing great. But anyways, um, I picked that story for a reason for today because of the topic we're talking about. Eric, can you give the people an idea of what we're talking about? Yeah, so today we are going to talk about uh, a topic that I think a lot of people, if you were raised in youth group or raised in church, you know, this is has been an important thing that may be instrumental as to how you see church today. And that is the idea of what's right, what's wrong, what's biblical, what's not biblical, and, you know, having that difference between knowledge and wisdom and everything else like that. And, and I teased it last week, but, uh, you know, it's like how, knowledge is knowing that a tomato is a fruit. You can know that all you want, but wisdom I is knowing just, that- just knowing you're about to say this. But wisdom is knowing that you don't put a tomato in a fruit salad. So you could be right uh, technically, <laughs> but <laughs> but it may not work out for you. It's kind of like that thing, you know, you've heard uh, with relationships. It's like, do you want to be right or do you want to be happy? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's a bunch of cliches we could get into with this one, but we're not going to because no, I don't want to do that. Uh, today, one of the things I'll, I'll go ahead and tell you in the front, end, we're going to spend a lot more time today talking about what was bad about this idea than we normally do, because I think this one takes a little more unpacking and deconstructing and figuring out than some of our past topics, because this one, of all the topics we've talked about this season, I think this one weaves through so many other things and it's super nuanced. So, um, I mean, the, the idea is really easy. We taught kids right and wrong. We said that things were black and white and that there were no gray areas. 
It was either biblical or unbiblical. You were either right or you were wrong. You were following Jesus or you weren't. And there was no room for gray area, no room for nuance, no room for discussion on any of that. Right. And the other piece of that is that uh, our version or Christianity's version of right essentially trumped all other versions of right. And so, you know, I think you're 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 spot on with this is that so many other of our issues, I think, growing up through church or leading, you know, youth groups is is hinges on this topic because this this is a foundation for a lot of those things and those nuances. And you know, now that we've grown up, um, we're realizing that there's a lot more gray areas in between what we were taught was black and white. And I think that negatively impacted a lot of people that grew up in the church, don't you? Yeah. And if you if you look at some of the stuff we've talked about this season, our language, growing up, we were taught cussing's bad. Don't cuss. There's a right and wrong there. And as we talked through that episode, we realized that language is kind of fleeting and there's all sorts of nuance there depending on culture and location and where you grow up. And so, I mean, this can be thrown through all sorts of topics that we could come up with. And one of the things that I think is so harmful with this idea, uh, there, there are two ways that we want to talk about today is the idea that right versus wrong and that how, how reinforced that was. And then we'll shift gears a little bit because I also want to get into wise versus right, doing what is wise versus uh, what is right. But as we talk about the right versus wrong idea, growing up, there was a way that Christians were supposed to act and think and do and be that was beat into my head that I really struggled with because, I mean, I was the pop punk emo kid who's listening to music, who has some cuss words in it, who's dealing with my emotions and is a little rough around the edges. Now, I never did anything that was quote unquote bad kid related. I, I was never drinking, smoking, any of those things. And uh, so for the most part, I was walking a straight line there, but because of the music I listened to or because of the thoughts that I had or the way my personality is, I thought that I was this terrible Christian because I wasn't living up to the standard of right living. And yeah. it wasn't until I actually got into ministry that I realized the idea of behavior modification, which is probably an episode for next season. But yes. so much of this right versus wrong results in us just modifying our behavior and thinking we're holy because we're behaving the right way instead of actually being the right way. And do you know who actually did that in the Bible? That was mm. the Pharisees. That's right. Our favorite. They were the they were the protagonists of the story, right? They were the good guy. I wouldn't know they weren't the good guys. What am I talking about? <laughs> yeah, that's what it seems like a lot of times. And I think the issue there too is like then uh, what what I think it relates to is when I'm raising my own kids and all the times that I have to stop and think about how I just really want their compliance on things and I really want to modify their behavior. When in reality, I know that it's a lot better if I could seek down to understand what they're going through, talk them through the things and educate them on uh, the decisions that they're making and educate them on the consequences of those decisions and kind of walk through and let them discover it for themselves. Because any of you that have kids, 
you know that there's definitely plenty of times that that they're like, well, why can't I do this? I'm like, well, you just can't, you know, it's like, because I said so. And that that raises a, a, a child situation that's unhealthy. And in the same way, think about how much more damaging that is when our faith is a because because I said so, because the Bible said so. And for a lot of people, because you just don't you're not willing or you don't have the time or the energy or or you're, you know, the security in your faith enough to examine some of these things and the nuances, the teaching that we end up doing is a, because I said so, because the Bible said so, because I heard so-and-so who said the Bible said so, said so, instead of being willing to discuss some of these things. Because I think there's a lot of nuance in between what's right and what's wrong. And, you know, we see a lot of that, especially growing up in, in, in youth group and in like, for instance, a relationship or dating or something like that. And if you look at so many of the people in our culture, and we probably have friends who are like this, you grew up in youth group, grew up going to church, and they've walked away from their faith now. And I've heard many people say the idea that religion is just a way to make you to comply or religion's all about power because people want you to, if they can control the way you act and the way you believe, they can control everything else you do. And when you do, when you set up a culture of, well, this is right, this is wrong, you have to do this, you have to do that, then, I mean, there is a power structure there that comes down to, well, Pastor Johnny said we have to do this. If you hear, if you think about it, they, you hear a lot of people going, well, pastor says this, pastor says that, pastor says this. And it's just, it, for it, it doesn't even matter who it is. It's just pastor said, or I heard pastor say, and then that's just, that becomes canon. And so many of our Christians and um, so many of our parents or authority figures that we had growing up, they took what was taught to them as gospel and then taught it to us. And so when we start asking the questions of like, well, does the Bible actually say that? Where does the Bible say I can't do this? Right. They can't answer it. And one of the things that happened is... So I don't, Eric, I don't know if you know the stat or not, but the single biggest reason most teenagers walk away from the church after high school is because there's no place for their doubts or their questions. Right. Because what happens a lot of times is these rules and these ideas that we're taught as kids, once we get a little bit older and start questioning things, because we all do that, Mm -hmm. uh, the the people we're asking the questions of, they say, you just got to believe, or that's just the way it is. Or they, they can't actually answer and they're not willing to dialogue or dig so this this tertiary or way down the importance list idea that you told me was this, the Bible actually says it's not that. So if you're lying to me there, where else are you lying at? Where else are you trying to control me? And so that idea is what's leading to this whole deconstructing faith movement of people leaving their faith because they were taught this oppressive right versus wrong, listen to me idea, don't question anything. And it's really turned into a, an unhealthy 20-year-down-the-line result where, unfortunately, people think, oh, this isn't worth it anymore. I'm going to go do my own thing. Yeah, and I think that you know this, this argument, this debate, this, this issue isn't even new. You know, It's just taken on a new form. But if you think about it, going all the way back to the Catholic Church, this is really why the Protestant Reformation happened. It's one of the reasons. It's, oh, the power structure was set up because of what was right and what was wrong. And those things were being um, twisted, whether intentionally or not, into the powerful being held by uh, people, most likely men, 
it, who controlled the knowledge. And then, you know, you go all the way to the printing press and like before the printing press, you didn't even have your own Bible, let alone having a Bible in a language that you can read. Uh, so, you know, the only person that could tell you what was biblically right or biblically wrong was a power or authority figure. And if that person abused it, then, you, you know, this is what happened. And so this is just, I think, another iteration of the uh, the right versus wrong or, you know, being being kind of perverted into people taking this as, man, I'm going to take the power here or I don't I'm going to get defensive because I don't want my insecurities to come out. So here's, here, you know, it's a you don't have enough faith and that's why you don't understand or you're not listening to spiritual authority and that's me or, you know, whatever else. And it just becomes this mess that people end up walking away th from their faith because of it. And so you go back to the early, mid-2000s, and you've got guys like Rob Bell and some others who were writing books questioning things. And yeah, for whatever you – yeah, postmodernism. Whatever you think of Rob Bell, and I think most of us agree where he ended up uh, theologically it was not the best. <laughs> right. But there were some good things in Velvet Elvis, in Sex God, in the NUMA videos that were really – challenging. And I'm in my undergrad theology courses at Liberty, which is a conservative school, we used his NUMA videos. So there was some really good yeah. stuff there. Uh, you, but when we were talking before, Eric, you had mentioned the brick wall thing. So what was that that he talked about there? Yeah. So like I said, in Velvet Elvis, you know, man, there's, uh, I think it was really good in the way that it helped challenge people's approach to how to think about these things, right and wrong. And he brought up this analogy of your faith being like either a brick wall, or I think he said spring, but he used a trampoline. He used the example of a trampoline. So if you take a brick wall faith, um, it, each of these bricks, they're rigid, they don't move, but each of these things would be individual core beliefs that you have. As you start to pull out individual bricks and examine them, if you pull out too many, any of them, the entire wall starts to crumble. Whereas if you have a trampoline, you know, these springs, they can flex, they can bend a little bit depending on who's on the trampoline, how many people are there. If you take out one individual spring on a trampoline to look at it, to examine it, to see, you know, its structure, the rest of them will still bend and flex to accommodate it. And so he was really making the difference, whatever you believe about how it all ended up, but trying to, trying to help us adapt attack this idea of rigid right versus wrong. And I think that that's really the main problem of looking at it black and white is you become this brick wall faith where the reason why we can't examine these individual areas or see room for nuance is because we're afraid the entire faith structure will fall down. And I know as a youth group or a student ministry pastor, it was a situation where I felt the pressure that I had to keep the right versus wrong on the forefront and really the behavior modification on the forefront for my students because otherwise, oh, they may realize that uh, they're going to lose their faith and walk away from from their faith entirely, when in reality, like you talked about before, they're walking away from their faith more so because there was no room to examine these individual tenets of our faith. And we didn't want to be known as the youth group with kids who smoked, or we didn't want to be the youth right. group with kids who did that, or we didn't want to be considered hypocrites by the non-Christians in school if we were questioning things or doing things and trying, like, trying to push the boundaries. So we live with that right versus wrong mentality. And I, I'm glad that we're seeing the negative sides of it. And I think it's up to us to really start to move forward and to create healthier cultures so that we don't do this anymore, so that we can have a culture, we can raise a generation of kids who realize how important it is to 
do the study of scripture to find the answers yourself, as opposed to just listening to what the leaders who were teaching. Cause as kids, you think adults are always right. You right. look up to them. You th- Mom and dad are superheroes or your Sunday school teacher is this great, holy person. And you, then you get to an adult and you're like, Oh, that they had their issues too. So what was bad about this? It really set up the idea that no, what I say is more true than what you read and study on your own. Right. What yep. I say as a leader or as an adult is more important and I have seen so many people walk away from their faith because of that legalism and that structure. And it makes me sad. Right. Yeah. And they don't even want, you know, and then it becomes a, uh, it becomes a polarizing issue too, because we're not saying, you know, don't, don't look at, at the Bible for what's right and what's wrong. Uh, but then people will wholly reject the Bible in general because of the people representing it, as opposed to taking an honest look and looking into it and reading into it and reading all the nuance that's contained there between uh, not only what is uh, – I'm going to use clearly, but like what's clearly wrong or what's explicitly stated in the Bible, but also looking at what's explicitly stated in the Bible but in a particular context or for a particular people or for a particular time or knowing that the things that are explicitly wrong in the Bible also are surrounded with love and grace. And I think the other piece that we get wrong on this is we elevate what's right and what's wrong and we make the Bible or we make God like this, uh, we make him judge, jury, executioner, as opposed to also seeing it with the nuance of love and grace and acceptance and things like that. And so I, I think that this is very important. And then not only that, we're talking about right and wrong. There's elements of things that are inside of that that we as Christians should take on to say, I'm intentionally going to restrict myself from these things, not because the Bible says I have to, but because I know it's what's wise for me in order to avoid the things uh, that God said, hey, this isn't the way that I want you to live. And so in order to do that, there are some pieces I need to put up in front of that. And that's why I love, you know, Andy Stanley about 10, 15 years ago released a series from North Point called guardrails. And he literally had a big giant guardrail on the, uh, on the stage. And he talked about those guardrails are there that to help you avoid going into disastrous areas, right? So they're just those things that you set up on the side of the road that, you know, may hurt a little bit, but they're going to help you from doing something that's going to hurt a lot more. And it helps you decide like what's wise as opposed to what's right or wrong. The problem was we set up roadblocks instead of setting up guardrails. Oh, we, we that'll even... preach. That'll preach. <laughs> that was good, man. Gosh, we need that right was, that's point number one. I'm going to write that down. We, 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 seriously, we set, up guard, we set up roadblocks instead of guardrails and said, don't even go down this path. That path, a mile down that road is dangerous, so you can't yeah. even go down there. Right. Uh, right. When in reality, we could have gone three quarters of a mile and been pretty safe. And, just and how many guardrail. kids, when you say don't go there, what are they going to do? They're going to wait till you're not looking anymore, and then they're going to go around the roadblock. Absolutely, 100%. <laughs> and going back to it, so if we do want to point to the Bible, Ephesians 5 says to be careful how you live. Don't act like fools. Don't be unwise, but be wise. Yep. Don't be foolish. Understand what the will of the Lord is. And this idea of wise versus unwise is something that I didn't really grasp until probably, I think it was 2011. I heard a talk by a guy named JC Neely about this. And I was in full-time ministry at the time I'd been through seminary, but this really shaped the way I think about it. And he used an analogy of dating. 
because at the time, Nicole and I were still dating. We hadn't gotten married yet. And many of you, if you're dating now or uh, you, you're, you'll understand this, and if you're married, you'll definitely understand it. Um, it's not wrong biblically for at the end of a date to go back to her house and watch a movie. There's nothing biblical about that that specifically says, hey, this is a sin to go watch a movie at her house. It's not wrong to watch that movie by ourselves, away from other people. Right. Nothing specifically about that. It's not wrong to turn off the lights while watching the movie. We're conserving energy and <laughs> keeping the power bill down. So, I mean, we're being frugal so that we can keep our money and serve the Lord with our money. So I mean, we can justify that if we wanted to, from a biblical standpoint, is that's not wrong. Uh, it's not wrong to cuddle up next to each other during that movie. Uh, there's nothing that says you can't lean into someone of the opposite sex while watching a movie. Like there, there's nothing the Bible does says about that specifically. And um, it's not wrong to, you know, get a blanket out because you're conserving that money and not turning the heat on. So maybe it's a little cold and you want to stay warm. So now you're in a dark room by yourself under a blanket, cuddled up next to each other, watching a movie. I feel like I've had this exact uh, discussion with a kid in youth group talking about why he did what he did with his girlfriend. So go ahead though. <laughs> so <laughs> I, we're five steps into this and no one's done anything biblically wrong yet. And so when someone, when you tell somebody, Hey, you can't watch a movie in the dark. Why? Cause I said, so, well, what's wrong about that? It's okay, there's nothing wrong about it, but it's not wise because through a right. series of steps that are not wrong, you are one step away from an easy step over the cliff into something that might be wrong or that actually is wrong. If you're dating, if you're not married yet. And so if we're taught right versus wrong, then at that point, we haven't done anything wrong, but we set right. ourselves up for a, a, a situation that could lead us to wrong. If we were taught wise versus right or wise versus unwise, then we would know, okay, it's not why. Okay. Going back to her house, to watch a movie. Okay. That's not unwise watching by ourselves. Okay. Now we're getting a little unwise there. Turning the lights off. Okay. Yeah. That was not a smart decision. Well, but the other thing is all of, all of that is nuanced too, depending on who you are and who she is too. For me True. and yeah. my high school girlfriends, definitely not a good idea to even go down into the basement by ourselves. Like it, yep. it doesn't even matter for other people. Maybe their relationship is different, but that's where there's even more nuance based on who you are and, and what, what your relationship looks like too. And so that even leads us to another discussion that's even deeper than this. And that's the idea of Christian liberty and mm -hmm. that gray area of what is wise for me may be unwise for you. What is right yes. for me may be wrong for you. Like, for example, because of my specific calling that I believe God's given me and my genetic predispositions, I think it's a sin for me to drink alcohol. Personally, okay. I will not tell you. I will not tell anyone who is above the legal drinking age that they cannot drink alcohol, that it's a sin to drink alcohol. God might tell you that though. He has different right. callings for different people. And so there is this idea that right versus wrong can be different from person to person. Yes, there is an idea of absolute truth that we can get into, but it's more nuanced because what is right for you, like for another example, I know people who can watch all these new TV shows that are uh, anti-hero specific where 
terrible people are elevated to great positions and we end up cheering that person on. Yep. That's not me. I can't do that. Sure. For me, that is wrong. The, the place that that, or it's, and it's definitely unwise where that puts me in a mental state is not healthy and is not in a good place. So I, and it leads to things that are not good, that are wrong. So it is yep. unwise for me to watch that where you, Eric, you might be able to watch that and be like, all right, cool. Let's go eat ice cream. And you're fine. Yeah, about breaking bed. Breaking bed's my favorite show. Yeah, I can't, I can't do it. So again, it's the idea of wise versus unwise instead of right versus wrong. So mm-hmm. where do we go? How do we begin to teach the next generation that when right versus wrong is definitely easier Sure. But wise versus right is healthier. So how do we approach that with our kids, with the students we might be leading now? How do we do that? Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head right away, though, when you talk about this, because even even you going through that, you know, uh, scenario of you in the basement with your girlfriend situation, like how many if you're a youth leader, especially if you led boy, met boys, guys, if you led guys, um, how many of you have heard that when you're talking to your, your guys about, Hey, so you mean, what were you doing? Oh, you know, I mean, and they start to argue these things on, it's not technically wrong to do these things. And I think acknowledging like, Hey, leave room for that. And don't be so insecure in your own faith that you have to shoot that down right away and have some sort of answer for it. Right. So right away, when we're confronted with the, what about when we're confronted with the, you know, the, the serpent in the garden, well, did God really say that? Like, instead of jumping to the other side and trying to defend some aspect of faith, be open to the dialogue and help that person get to the spot where you're seeing in that right, in the uh, wise versus unwise. And so I think acknowledging that piece, that insecurity, that spot where maybe you've been brought up or I've been brought up in a way where I've been taught, hey, this is how it is. So this is what's black and white. So deconstructing that in your own self is is important too. And then second, I think is, as adults, we have to realize that gray area exists, don't you think? Yeah, I think most of life is actually in the gray area. Yeah. Like I was mentioning earlier, God calls some people to stricter rules than others. And yeah. We, and that's okay. Live. And being okay with that. Because like you said, like I may, I may have a beer and Jonathan, if you and I were together and I had a beer, like, I mean, obviously I would be concerned to make sure that you were okay with it, but if we were cool with it, I'd be fine with that. You would be like, okay, cool. No big deal. But if you started looking at me, eyebrows raised going, oh, you know, that's the devil's juice right there. And you know, <laughs> like, like, oh, it's different for me. Right. Whereas if I've got other issues and being accepting of that, still helping to, to keep each other in a spot where we can support each other, but really going, okay, what's, what's wise for you might not be wise for me. And that's okay. That doesn't make me a worse Christian. That doesn't make me a worse person. And these specific ideas where God might call one person to something more strict than the other, that's not because he's some, as my wife would say, fuddy-duddy up in the sky Mm -hmm. trying to keep us from having our fun. God's called me that because it's a protection. It's a protection mechanism because I have alcoholism on both sides of my family in multiple generations. So the idea that I, I know myself well enough to know how much I like to drink Dr. Pepper So if I like Dr. Pepper that much, how much am I going to like a beer or uh, something harder than that? And so it's my protection that that rule is in place. So I've got to realize that in teaching kids that some of these rules, they're not because we don't want you to have fun. Some of these things are because it's for your protection. And until you can know what you can do, 
you've got to go more strict. And because of that, I think one of the healthiest things we can do for our students, for our kids, is to find safe places where they to give them the ability to learn how to make those decisions of wise versus right in a way that the stakes are lower. Right, we have to give right. them the opportunity to screw up and make a decision when the penalty or the punishment isn't as big as in the future. So I have a daughter who is five years old. There are times that I let her make the wrong decision because I want her to learn that now when she's five, that if you do this, that happens so that when she's 16, she knows that principle already and the stakes are higher. She's already had experience making the hard decision and learning and can make that as she gets older. If we let them learn the difference when the stakes are low, then they'll have the experience with those decisions when the stakes are higher. Yes, exactly. And I, I think that's the other thing too, is to look at your, especially if it's in your, if, if it's with your kids, right? It's, I know right now that both of my kids can handle two different things. You know, if you have more than one child, you know that one of your children is going to be the one that you can trust to watch the house while you're gone, or the one that you could trust when you leave the room. The other one is not. One of them is going to be the one that you could trust for certain things, and the other one is not. And like they have different needs and thoughts and ability. And I think looking at your own kids that way, looking at any kids that you're leading in youth group is that way, looking at the people around you is that way too, is that God created us all unique and different. And like we've said over and over again, there is biblical truth, but I think the guardrails are going to be different depending on what type of road you particularly are driving on or what you need for the type of driver that you are. And for us specifically as adults now, as people who are trying to figure this out on our own, I come back to a quote from a guy named Dominic Foxworth. He uh, played in the NFL and is a Harvard Business School grad. Uh, He's got a saying that I love. It says, absolutes are for children and dumb people. As we're older, we've got to realize that, yes, there's absolute truth, but in a lot of cases, probably in most cases, it's not going to be an absolute situation. That, exactly. yes, our our morality does not change, our convictions do not change, but the application of that will be different based on context, and even the Bible says that. There are th- some things in certain cultural situations in the Bible that are wrong that in other cultural situations are okay. So we've got to learn God's heart in this. We've got to learn his disposition. And the other piece is we have to do the study. And so we know that, but then we also have to have the relationship ongoing so that we have the conviction of the Holy spirit to know when we're doing something right. And when we're doing something wrong, when we're doing something wise and unwise, because the reason the Holy Spirit was sent to us was as an encourager. Yes. But it was also to be with us as we go so that we can know what is right, what is wrong, what is wise, what is unwise, and what is the will of God moving forward. Yep, exactly. So this whole conversation, I mean, right, wrong, all of that, you know, like we said in the very beginning, it's, it's really the cornerstone of the things we've been talking about the entire season. And so, you know, in light of that, it may be a good idea. You can go back and listen to previous weeks um, to think through maybe where did you react to some of these issues on what's right, what's wrong, where's the nuance in between. And hopefully that's really what Jonathan and I have been trying to do is show some of those nuances in between the issues, what was wrong about it, what was the right intention behind it, and how do we move on in a pod, in, in a positive way now that we are raising kids and leading 
whatever groups of our own. And so, you know, it's been eight weeks, Jonathan, and I think this is uh, the last one for a while, isn't it? Yeah, we, we put this one as the last of the season because we wanted you all to have a chance to unpack this one because this is the most nuanced topic we've talked about, really, and the one that takes the most unlearning from what we've been taught as kids. So uh, we're going to take a break for a little bit here. One of the things we're going to hope to do possibly in between now and when season two starts is to do a couple maybe bonus type episodes of just some fun stuff that aren't nearly as yep. complex or deep. Um, but we just want to have some fun with you. One of the bonus episodes we want to do is one that's just your youth group stories. So you've heard yes. a youth group story at the beginning of every episode this season. If you have a story of your own, send it to unlearn, uh, hello at unlearningyouthgroup.com. If we get enough of those, we're going to put together a stories specific episode. That's just some fun and a chance to laugh together. During this break, if you want to reach out to Eric and I, Eric, what are your handles on social? Uh, just at Eric W712, E-R-I-C-W712. So that's on Instagram. On Instagram, I am at Jonathan underscore Corona. I'm also on Twitter and Facebook if you want to jump in there as well. But thanks for hanging out with us. Leave us a review of the show. We're going to see you in a couple months, but for now we're going to leave you with the nineties kids and their song high school, because I think we all can agree that it's a great thing. We didn't peak in high school. Cool.